Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Pat Cummins. I'm Josh Hazelwood. I'm Lisbon Kawaja. I'm Mitch Marsh. I'm Mitch Stark, and you're listening to The Unplayable Podcast. This is The Unplayable Podcast. On this week's episode... We hear from New South Wales pair Ashley Gardner and Curtis Patterson as they prepare for their massive tours in England, chat about Australia's World Cup campaign and finish by giving some of cricket's biggest names, their NBA counterparts, basketball fans out there, you won't want to miss that. But we start with a trip down memory lane as we hear from Mark Waugh who takes us back to that dramatic 1999 World Cup semi-final tie with South Africa. What about that, um, that game? I mean, I'm sure you would have spoken about it a lot, but you actually had a chance to take all the headlines with that backhand flick. Oh, the semi, yeah, yeah. I was disappointed I missed the stumps, yeah. Um, so I do practice that a lot, that backhand flick, and it sort of comes from indoor cricket. But, um, yeah, I mean, that last over was so nerve-bracking. Obviously, the South Africans were a bit more nervous than us. I, I mean, the way Lance Clusden batted in that tournament, I just thought, well, you know, he's gonna, he'll get the job done for South Africa. And I think the lack of communication with Donald, uh, I think they just thought, you know, Clusden would hit a, a, at least a one, probably at a boundary he hit two fours off the first two balls, so he needed one off the next four. Mm. Um, we all came up, obviously, trying to save the one, and then we missed a run out, and then I was lucky enough to field the, the, winning, um, the winning piece of fielding um, where it came to me quite slowly off the edge of the pitch, so it wasn't the easiest ball to sort of field, and I sort of run across and backhand flicked it, which was just a natural thing for me to do, so it looked yeah. a, bit, uh, a bit risky at the time. It was just dirty at Mr. Stumps, yeah, but uh, Flem was good enough to pick it up and roll it down the other end. Because Donald was out of his crease, so if you had hit the stumps, he yeah. would have been run out. And yeah, now Damien right. Fleming has been dining out on that moment I know. ever since 1999. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Does he, do you get a cut it was that? a miracle that he actually <laughs> managed to take my backhand throw and then roll it down the pitch to the other and end. And he was so nervous he didn't want to stuff up, he rolled it down. Yeah, 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 he didn't want to throw it. All yeah. this stuff about tempting bowling it up before. footmark or something and bounced over Gilly's gloves. Anyway. No, never hear the end of it. Gardner, first of all, congratulations on being named in Australia's Women's Ashes squad. Uh, you never take selection for granted, but what did it mean uh, for you to get the call up on your second Ashes campaign? Yeah, um, thank you very much. Um, yeah, this is my second um, Ashes campaign now. Um, going over to England is going to be a massive thing. Um, I've been there, lucky enough to be there twice already, um, one for the World Cup and then the other one for the Indigenous Tour. Um, but I know that this is going to obviously be quite a special one. Um, going back with with the team after the after the World Cup, I know we um, yeah have some some things to prove, and we, we obviously know that um, we're yeah we're very confident going in that that we do have such a good side to um, yeah win those Ashes back. So um, yeah, I know we're all really excited and yeah raring to go. On those previous two tours, what did you learn about the differences of playing in Australia compared to playing over there in England? Um, there's a few things. Um, obviously, the the field sizes um, are a lot different. Um, Much more to your liking. 
Well, yes, <laughs> exactly right. Um, yeah, obviously the straights are quite short. Um, they're quite long square, but in saying that, there's like eight wickets along the along the field. So as soon as you hit the ball square, it just shoots off because um, it's so hard. Um, but their wickets are obviously um, quite different. They're a lot slower and lower only because they don't have the same temperature as, as what we do over here in Australia. Um, but I know, yeah, we've obviously had so much prep um, going into this tour and I think we'll all be ready for um, and just being able to, I guess, adjust to those wickets as soon as we get over there and um, go from there. You spent a bit of time up in Brisbane um, with the other players. What have you been working on over there? Is it English-specific stuff? Um, no, I don't think so. I think it's just getting, I guess, getting in to, into the swing of things really yeah. um obviously coming off six weeks of um off season that was our first camp going up there and i know there was different focuses um we had a red ball focus which is obviously to do with the test match um which was scenario based so i guess yeah figuring out what your role is or could be in a test match and then going from there um but we obviously, obviously did a, a lot of white ball stuff and um a lot of competitive nets as well so um yeah i think that's that was a main thing. Um, we didn't obviously do specifically to England because it's quite hard being in Australia still. Um, yeah. But I know as soon as we get over there, we obviously have some practice matches um, and we've got plenty of training to do before that first ODI. So I think we'll all be ready to go by the time um, that first ODI comes around. It's an exciting squad. It's a fairly um, solid squad that's been with the team over the past couple of years. But uh, Taylor Flamink, did I say that right? I think so. I can never say right either. Vlamink? Vlamink, I think. yeah. yeah. Uh, but an exciting young fast bowler. What can you tell us about her? Um, yeah, I mean, Tay's a really good girl. She, um, yeah, she's an amazing person to have in the team. Um, she's still so young, but she, yeah, she bowls seriously fast. Um, I'm so glad when I was up in Brisbane, I actually didn't think I faced her once, which I was <laughs> very happy about. Um, but yeah, she, she's a really good young kid. Um, and she means well and she yeah, she, she always tries um, 110% and I guess that's why she's proved to get into this side and um, hopefully she can stay there. Fingers crossed, injury-free. Um, she's obviously had her, her battles with injury over the past um, two to three years, obviously breaking into various different teams. Um, but she's been lucky enough to debut. She played in a T20 World Cup game, so hopefully um, her career going forward um, is injury-free and hopefully she'll be bowling even quicker. Yeah, and the strength of the squad is um, is shown by the Australia A team that's going over there as well. I mean, someone like Soph Molyneux, who misses out, who's been such a great performer over the past uh, 12 or so months, especially in that World T20, or is it T20 World Cup now? Mm-hmm. Uh, for her to miss out uh, just shows how strong the squad is at the moment. And I guess it's really good for you guys that uh, you've got that next level pushing you to perform, and they're going to be over there at the same time. Yeah, exactly right. I think it's such a great opportunity um, for those girls that have been selected in that Australia A team. Um, yeah, obviously them being over there at the same time, potentially, hopefully it doesn't happen. But if someone was to get injured, one of those girls could always get called in pretty easily because I think they um, aren't too far away from us um, wherever we um, go to. But um, I think it's such an exciting thing. Obviously, the Australian A tours. Um, like weren't as frequent as probably what they are now so um, I know it's such a good opportunity for those girls I guess just to push the boat out a little bit and um, yeah do their best to try and try and get into the Australian setup Um, I know some of them are obviously on on the fringe of doing that there's a lot of young girls um, within that squad but yeah I know it's it's so exciting for them to to go over to such a special place and um, to have a really good tour as well you got to be looking over your shoulder now, don't you? Just for if you're a couple of bad games, one of these young girls will come up and take your spot. 
Yeah, that's a scary thing. Um, obviously, elite sport is um, pretty cutthroat and um, whether it's injury or bad form, I know that you can get out of the side pretty quickly and um, and find it quite hard to get back into the side. Um, obviously, Jess Jonathan faced that not being in the World Cup and then um, sadly, Soph Molyneux then got injured and then Jono found a way back into the team. So... Um, especially if there's someone that's always pushing your case to go forward. Um, obviously, they play such a similar role um, within our side. And, yeah, it's so it's so easy as that. Is, um, as soon as you get injured, you could, yeah, be out of the side pretty, pretty easily like that. But um, obviously, no one wants to get injured, but sometimes you can't help it. Um, and, yeah, a bit of bad form can always do that as well. So, fingers crossed that I play well and <laughs> stay uninjured. But, yeah, I guess that's something that you probably don't think about when you are playing is um, getting dropped from the team or things like that. So, you just always want to do best for, for the team that you're playing in. You've just done a press conference. I won't get you to repeat everything you've said out there. But uh, you mentioned uh, missing out on that test match in the last Ashes series, which was in Australia, um, and you said you weren't ready for it. Can you just expand a little bit on that and how much you're looking forward to trying to get that maiden test cap in that one-off test match at Taunton uh, in a what, couple of months? Yeah, um, yeah. like I said, I think it was quite a disappointing thing for for myself not to play in that. Um, there's obviously only um, 11 people that can play in that side and I guess they didn't see me as someone that could be um, one of the most attacking bowlers in a test match or someone um, I think I always got put into the category of just being that attacking batter um, and I guess that's something that I've tried to work on over the past 18 months to two years since it has been um, since that last Ashes and yeah I've just tried to focus on I guess knowing that I have a little bit more time than um, probably what I thought. Um, I always obviously like I just said got put into that category of just going for it and that's not what I want to do anymore like and I haven't I don't think I've felt that way since then probably um obviously being in a t20 game that's what my role is to go out there um and I guess crack open the game and yeah get I guess get away to a flyer and uh, Mm. put my yeah put my team in a really good position but um in 50 over cricket and, and test cricket um yeah it all depends on where I come into bat um, I guess if I come in at seven for both formats, my role probably doesn't change a whole lot. But just knowing yep. that I do have a few more balls to face, and um, I think that's something that I probably didn't realise back then, um, and that's something that's um, slowly changing um, in the way that I play cricket. But yeah, and also obviously working on my off-spin bowling, I think is a big threat as well going into this Ashes. There must be such a, a foreign. Uh, concept being able to have a couple of siders out there instead of having to go for sixes and fours from ball one um how do you do that how do you train for that is it just as simple as blocking the first half a dozen deliveries you face and then getting your eye in and then going for it or if it, is it sea ball hip ball type of thing yeah i don't think um well i think i'm such an instinct player um i think if the ball's in my half and i know that i, I can throw my hands through it just to do it um but also having that luxury of if a ball if it's a good ball, being able to leave it. Um, which so unheard is, of, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly right. Very unheard of for me. But um, I've spoken to Moddy and he, he thinks that I'm not a blocker. Like I'm not going to go out there and just block the ball and just dead bat it. Um, if I do want to block it, I'm still going to try and look for a single. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, just knowing that I have a bit more time out there and if the ball is in my half or in my arc, um, yeah, not shying away from what my instincts want to do and just, yeah, going through with it. Now, we don't want to single out any player, um, but the skipper, Meg Lanning, wasn't there last Ashes series when you, uh, Australia retained the um, 
the trophy, but uh, she's back now. How much desire, how much focus does she have? Can you just see her itching, ready to go and score a million runs? Yeah, I think she's pumped. Um, <laughs> obviously, she's a huge inclusion um, to our side. She's one of the best batters in the in the world for a reason. Um, just the way that she goes about her training and um, how focused and driven she is, you can tell why she's our captain and um, the qualities that she has. Um, I mean, I love being captained by her. Um, it's always good because that means that I'm in the Australian team if, <laughs> if she's my captain. But, um, yeah, I think she's um, – people always say how serious she is, but I think she's – She's serious, obviously, when it comes down to um, game time. But I think, yeah, she's she's a great person to have in your team. Um, she does bring that that serious quality, um, I think, as well as Ray Chains, um, which I think you want as captains, but also yeah. off the field being able to have a joke and stuff like that. But I know that she will be wanting to score thousands of runs while we're over there, and I, and I hope she does. Um, I think, yeah, she's there's obviously all the reasons why she's in the top ten all round all top 10 batters in the world um, and yeah, she's number one. Oh, she's number one there you go oh, I mean, so she's number one so that, there I don't you know go. if it's, it's official or anything but I'm, <laughs> sh- I'm sure she's up there I'm, sh- I'm sure she probably if you were to watch her bat she, you would say that she's the number one batter in the world and um, yeah I'm looking forward to see how she plays over there and yeah hope she does really well last question um, it's a long flight over to England uh, two flights probably uh, who do you not want to sit next to <laughs> on the flight over there <sighs> Probably more so next to the coaching staff. I don't really want to be stuck next to people that snore. I think Moddy's a renowned snorer. Okay. Um, we do fly a business class, so, I mean, it's a pretty good luxury to have. But Andy. that also means people will get to lie down and that's when people snore. So, I don't want to put people next to anyone <laughs> in, the, the pros in the coaching staff. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> anyone in the coaching staff. But um, if I had to choose who I'd want to sit next to. Um, and does this go the same with Team Bus? Because you can be doing well, everyone a lot sits of by themselves on a, oh, really? on a team bus. Yeah, everyone's got their it's own not very seat. Social, is it? Well, it's not, but everyone listens to music and, okay. and gets in it's the even zone. less social. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> we all actually have our own spot on the bus, like in in order. So oh, really? if you sit in someone else's spot, they're going to tell you to get out. Basically, <laughs> there's some drama. Yeah. All right. Um, I'd probably probably Elise Villani because she's or Nicole Bolton. Okay. And because they'll give plenty of chat and be, and be funny throughout the. Throughout the long flight, but um, I think they, we're stopping. Are they snorers? Not, not that I, I know of. I mean, I might be a snorer, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, not that we I know of. We actually asked the other players and they all said they don't want to sit next to you because you, you snore, so there you go. That's a lie. That's no, not true. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely a lie. Um, Where did you say you're going to stop over? Uh, Singapore. Oh, great. Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, Ash, thank you so much for coming on the, on the program and all the best of luck and hopefully you come back and... I guess uh, last time it was a draw, wasn't it? The series was eight yeah. each. How determined are you to, to actually win it? You don't want to retain it. You want to win it. Exactly. Um, I mean, retaining it's okay, but um, I know we were in such a good position last year to win it. Um, we probably should have won all three ODIs, which would have put us in a perfect position to win that. Um, and I just think, yeah, we let it slip in that last ODI, which I think cost us in the end. And, um, yeah, I think those last T20s were really disappointing um i think we were in such good positions and then yeah we just let them um just let it slip and i think yeah they just got on top of us and we know how explosive um some of their t20 batters are so i guess yeah being able to rein them in and um yeah capitalize on i guess when we're on top that's in the past we're looking for the future exactly all the best thank you very much (laughs) 
Curtis Patterson, thanks for coming on the program. Uh, man, I saw you batting in the nets today here at Sydney Olympic Park. How you been hitting them? Uh, all's moving in the right direction, I would say. Uh, it's been a, a really nice lead up um, to what's going to be a you know an enjoyable A tour. Um, you know, had a good week on turf last week up in Brisbane, and um, you know got our official camp next week before we fly. So. Uh, yeah, all is all is heading in the right direction. So, what are you working on now? You're a part of the Australia Raid Tour over there. Obviously, a massive tour with huge implications about that Ashes squad. But what have you been working up in Brisbane and even in today here in the Nets? Oh, nothing. You know, really revolutionary. Just you know, obviously in England, generally, particularly red ball, the ball's going to swing a lot more and a lot. You know, for a lot longer. So. Um, pretty much just trying to drill, hitting the ball as late as possible and trying to make late decisions. Um, you know, you can kind of see the line of the ball quite early in Australia and then react pretty quickly out of the bowler's hand. But obviously over there, um, there's a little bit more happening. So really just trying to drill that into my game and kind of make it muscle memory is the goal. Isn't it crazy when you talk about playing late? You only get like less than half a second to react to a cricket ball anyway and you're playing it even later than that. So what does that even mean is just playing the ball under your eyes a bit more is that is that kind of what it means yeah i think so um you know as i mentioned before i think over here particularly when the kookaburra ball gets a bit older um you know if you are batting well and you're seeing the ball early out of the bowler's hand generally you can just you know move your body and move your head in the direction that you see it coming down and you kind of trust that it stays on that line Um, obviously the ball swings and seems a little bit here particularly when it's new but um, over there it does does all of that and probably a little bit more and and for a lot longer so it's just about not getting greedy, I think, and, and being able to stay in your box, particularly in red ball cricket. Mm. Um, and as you mentioned, just try and make as make contact as best as you can underneath your eyes. And how much experience do you have in England and English conditions? Not a huge deal, to be honest. I've had one season of league cricket over there probably four, three or four years ago now um, for Banbury Cricket Club. Um, Tim Payne was there overseas the year before. Um, and they were a great club and it was a really good experience for me. Um, obviously, just playing... A slightly lower level of cricket but um, but still a, a decent level to, to go over there and, and play on different conditions and play play the swinging ball um, you know I certainly took a lot from it and learned a lot and it was a really enjoyable experience how do you go against the Duke's ball obviously swings a bit more that's a slightly harder ball is that right um, how do you go facing it uh, oh look I I don't mind it at all to be honest um, I think I might have mentioned previously to you that you know, I find that generally with the ball moving a little bit more, it creates a little, you know, creates a few more gaps in the field with, with most bowlers and captains setting fi- more aggressive fields and, and, you know, putting more catches in position. So I think as a batter, you need to, you know, try and take the positives out of it. Obviously, it's, it's tougher to bat um, with all the movement, but... Does it make you focus more because you really need to watch the ball a lot closer? Um, I don't think so. Um, you know, I think you should be focusing at your your, your, your <laughs> yeah. max capacity anyway. But um, I just think it opens up a few a few more scoring opportunities, I guess, than than probably what happens here, where you might get a ring field a bit earlier on. And obviously, with a juke ball, you can generally have cover open for most of the day and potentially have a bat pad in there, so the leg side becomes a bit more open. So, um, yeah, I think there's opportunities as a batter. Have you spoken to some of the players in the New Wales quarter up there in Brisbane about? playing in England and what it's like to, to face fast bowling over there? Yeah, I have. I mean, not necessarily just in the last, you know, six weeks. We've obviously used the Duke ball here now for, I think, you know, three three seasons, um, yep. the last three seasons for the back half of the year. So, um, you know, those conversations have been had over the last three years and um, there's been some really good learnings that have come out of just even shield cricket we're using the Duke ball. 
Um, so that's been fantastic. So I think, you know, having that exposure to the Duke ball, you know, makes all of us a little bit more comfortable going over there that we're not just, you know, none of us are facing it for the first time as such. And what's your mindset? Because you're a test incumbent at the moment. Um, what's your mindset going over there for that A tour? Uh, the mindset's purely just to score as many runs as I can and try and try and win as many games as I can. Um, obviously, I'm in the one-day squad, which is really exciting. So the goal is to try and win five of those games and then, um, you know, try and win those first two four days against opposition and then try and have a really competitive Australia v Australia A game. Um, you know, that's really all. That's all I'm at. That's where I'm at. Um, you know, I'm not kind of thinking any further ahead down the line. Um, I've committed to that over the last few years and it's worked out for me that, to, you know, to not worry about selections and things out of my control. So um, the focus is just trying to score runs and help the team getting in, get in uh, as many winning positions as possible. And I know speaking to guys like Sean Marsh and Usman Kawaja um, for the one day set up when Smith and Warner were coming back in and there are two guys that uh, basically walk up starts. Um, but they said they didn't have to even worry about that. They were just focused on their own games and both those guys made the World Cup squad. So it sounds like you're following in the same footsteps as those guys. Yeah, I think that's all you can really do. Um, as you mentioned, you've got you know, two guys who are you know, not just two of the best batters in the country, but two of the best batters in the world. Mm. Um, you know, you, of course, you're going to open, you know, welcome them back with open arms. So um, it's great for Australian cricket. I think it's great for world cricket that they're both back playing. And obviously they've shown, both of them have shown their recent form, how, how good they both are. So... Um, if the opportunity comes to be able to play with those guys again, that'll be that'll be wonderful. Because every time I've been able to play with them for New South Wales, it's always been really enjoyable, and I've learned a lot. So, um, you know, hopefully a few runs and that opportunity can, can come along again. You wouldn't have lost too many games playing with those guys on the side, would you? I think our New South Wales record <laughs> when they're playing is well. Generally, when they're playing, that also means that Hazelwood, Stark, and, and Cummins and Lyon are probably playing. So, um, I think when we do have our our Australian, you know, cemented players certainly certainly makes a big difference to everyone else in the team. Fairly handy sextet to come in there, isn't it? Uh, Absolutely. Not, not too bad. Uh, before we get on to uh, the World Cup and Smith and Warner over there playing in England, um, what do you uh, think about this Australia v Australia A game? Now, there's these five test matches. They're obviously massive games, but as a fan... Personally, I can't be more excited about this Australia v Australia A game. Just the ramifications and how it's all going to look can you give us any insight? Do you have any idea about how the teams are going to shape up? The, the strategy about how the teams have, have, have formed, the captains, the whole lot? Uh, I don't have too much for you, no. You got nothing. I mean, as far as I'm aware, <laughs> as far as I'm aware, the game's got first-class status. So um, That's huge in itself. That's Yeah, you're right. That's huge in itself. There's obviously there'll be no substitutions or you know guys going on and off for breaks or whatnot. It's a... It's a first-class game. So that's that's a huge, as you mentioned, that's huge in itself. So I think it's going to be ultra competitive you know i i just remember watching when i was younger watching the when they used to televise it, i think it might yeah. have been adelaide oval when matt hayden and glenn mcgrath are sledging each other and getting into it and the australian public was behind the australia a that's, team that's, that's just right great metaphor for the way the way we live but um oh look i'm excited for it if, if i get the opportunity to play in it obviously i think it'll be um a wonderful game it's not every every day that you get to have a proper first class game almost against your your teammates in in you know in a sense outside of obviously the shield competition so um it'll be a really enjoyable experience um you know and hopefully it'll get you know whatever final squad is for that first ashes test hopefully it gets those guys really well primed for the first test which is i think is only a week after and you couldn't ask for a better prep could you because that game is going to be full tilt 
um, spots, I guess, will be on the line. I mean, the, the Ashes squad won't have been named at that point. Um, you'll be playing under pressure in front of the selectors against some of the best players in the country, or well, against the best players in the country. Yeah, absolutely. As I mentioned, I think it's just going to be a great opportunity. It's almost our equivalent of the NBA All-Star game, isn't it? Australian yeah. Cricket's NBA All-Star game. But, um, oh, look, it'll be fantastic, as I mentioned before. And the fact that it's in English conditions as well, I think will be um, a good experience for everyone. Uh, but as I mentioned before, for those guys that do make the test squad, it'll be a, a great you know, hit out, a great competitive you know, hit out before that first test. I wonder how the team, I mean, they'll warm up differently. Will they have different net sessions? Will they eat breakfast at different times? I mean, they're probably staying at the ground in, at uh, Southampton because they've got that yeah, lovely yeah. new hotel there now. I wonder if they've got one wing as the Australian. I mean, it's just all these different things. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, yeah, I haven't given it too much thought, but you're, I think you're right. The logistics of it been, all will be I quite, can't stop thinking about it. Logistics will be quite interesting, particularly <laughs> if there's a few little battles on the field. You don't want to be potentially going home and... You know, who knows, eating breakfast with the guy that bounced you out or sledged you yesterday. Can so, you imagine James Benson bowling at the top order of one of these sides if he's pushing for a selection, uh, for Ashes selection? He'll go crazy. Yeah, I mean, who'll be playing him at? in the Shield final? He, was, he went crazy on us, or, and, to, and to be fair, the previous Shield game. So he was, um, he was fantastic. He's an exciting player to watch when he's at full tilt. Um, you get a you get a rush when you you know when you're facing him, um, but even if you're not facing him, you get a rush just watching him go about his work. So um, he's going to be really exciting to watch. There's lots of great middle order players. Um, that group that's going to be on that A tour, like Head, Pekovsky, Hanscom, yourself, um, and you got guys like Harris up at the top of the order. Uh, you obviously want to see them do really well, but you also want to do well yourself. How do you manage that conflict about? playing with your friends but also going for a limited number of spots oh look i think you know one thing that was a really good learning curve for me last year at the blues was um you know you have to commit yourself to something bigger than yourself um and for me last year that was obviously just trying to help as many of the young guys you know and help upskill them to to be you know present and future new south wales blues players so um look i enjoy you know, I enjoy talking with other other batters about batting and talking with other cricketers, and um, that won't stop. As you mentioned, there's obviously there's competition there. We all know that, but you know, it's for the good of Australian cricket if you're all there to help each other out and it's, um, for the betterment of the team, um, which at the end of the day is is what it's really all about. And I guess one thing that shouldn't be overlooked in these games is winning, because you want you want to contribute to wins. I mean, uh, over, um, looking at it from a top level down, um, people remember the games that you win. They lose, like I mean. Last night in the England-Pakistan game, England scored, had two guys reach 100, but they're kind of, they're not meaningless, but they're not as important as centuries in a win. Yeah, of course. I mean, that goes without saying. You, you, you go out there, as soon as you step on the field, you're, you're playing to win. I think that's the case at, at any level, really. Um, and certainly that'll be no different, you know, once, once that Australia v Australia A game or any of the games, for that matter, in England, uh, and in England happens, so... Oh, look, it'll just be a good opportunity. But I think going back to that point, I think it's still about trying to make each other better, trying to make each other better players and better people. And I think when you focus on, you know, those sort of aspects rather than just winning, I think the winning can generally take care of itself. Mm. And I won't get you to, um, you know, dare to dream and all that type of stuff. But uh, have you got some early Ashes memories of, of the Aussies playing over there in England? Is there something that sort of sticks out? Oh, not a, not a huge amount. I mean... I mean, I have a few numerous memories. I remember England holding on. I think it was in Cardiff for that first test that year. Oh nine. Yeah, oh nine. I remember um, it was a Ricky Ponting century at Edgebaston. 
um, was it Edgbaston? I'm not sure, but I remember him coming out and saying that was one of his most satisfying. Might have been Manchester. Manchester, held yeah. Held on for that game. Uh, one of his most satisfying test innings. Um, I mean, I remember when McGrath did he roll his ankle on that ball in the warm up, and yeah. then you know, I just remember my old man back in the day talking about how that was what cost us the Ashes. I think we went down two one. Yeah. And sure, we didn't win a game once he went down. But um, oh look, you know, it's always good fun what whether it's here or in england um it's always good fun watching australia and england go at it so um you know i'd love to be a part of that this year that'd be fantastic mm. now uh, the aussies are over there in england playing the world cup one from one knocked over afghanistan on the weekend a good start um afghanistan not to be taken lightly so an important win and as we've seen there are upsets happening in world cups yep. uh with bangladesh getting up and then pakistan beating england overnight um what have you made of the world cup so far uh, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm enjoying the coverage. You know, getting home and finishing dinner, or just starting dinner and watching whatever. You know, the first half of a game has been good fun. So, um, I watched that game. I watched a bit of that game last night. And I thought Hafiz from Pakistan batted beautifully when he came out. Um, just kind of completely changed the. Well, they were going okay, but then really upped the momentum of their innings and pushed them onto what was a obviously a fantastic score. Um, but I, you know, at the halfway point, I was. Still thought that was probably about par for that English batting lineup and the way yeah. they're playing at the moment. Um, and I bet if you probably told the Poms before the game that two of them will score hundreds and um, they won't win the game, they probably wouldn't believe you. So, um, yeah, I think that's the beauty of a World Cup, isn't it? All of a sudden you have some guys that can just win you win your games. But I think with this format and each team playing each other once, um, I think it'll be a really. I think just think it's a good tournament to really see who the best team is. I think it'll work out well. And you can it's. You can't write a team off too early, can you? Because you can say, well, you know, everyone wrote off Pakistan. They get bounced out by the Windies for 105. They come back and beat the best team in the world at home. Um, South Africa, one of the semi-final favourites, one of the contenders to be in the semis. They've lost their first two games, but you know they could win. They could easily win six or five of, the, of their next seven. They could be right in. They've got star players in their lineup, so you just can't uh, take any game lightly, can you? No, not at all. But I also think, you know. For my my limited experience of tournament play um, through the our domestic one days and the big bash, you know you want to be you know this isn't the time of the tournament to be peaking as such. So, mm-hmm. you know I think South Africa you kind of want to be playing your best cricket towards the back end. So, as I mentioned, there's still so many games. I've got a lot of other teams to play, um, and you know I think they've got one of the best one of the best top fours you know yeah. in the, in the entire tournament. Um, I'm not sure. Did David Miller played last game. He did, yeah. Yeah, so the fact that, and bringing him in as well, I think just strengthens their middle middle to lower order. So, um, yeah, certainly don't write them off because they've got some, some match winners, you know, obviously with the bat in their top four or five, but also with, with the ball, particularly Kigiso and, and Imran Tahir. They've got guys yeah. that will certainly win them one or two games each. So they get their momentum right. They can, you know, make a run for it just like any other team. And they've still got Dale Stane to come back too. So Absolutely. Handy yeah. guy on the sidelines to come back in. Uh, we mentioned Smith and Warner before. Been out of international cricket for more than a year, but uh, looks like they haven't missed a beat. Warner was, uh, did it well, I mean, as easy as you can at international level, 89 off 115 or so balls. Uh, and Steve Smith, only 18, I think, but... In typical Steve Smith fashion, was dirty that he got out with only a couple of runs to win. But they, those guys look like um, they've barely missed a beat since been um, serving that suspension. Yeah, I think it just goes to show, you know, as a, as a player, I love seeing that because it just shows, you know, you can go into the technical aspects and all those different things, but it just shows how strong their games are mentally. And I think that's more than half the battle, particularly as a batter in cricket. Um, 
I think both of them just walk out there and they both genuinely believe that they're the best players in the world and, and I think that really puts them on their way to, to doing the things that they do. Um, you know, being in New South Wales, I was able to watch them train a little bit when they were, you know, on their on their time off or having their time off and um, were getting back into it right before the IPL and they're just both very clear on their games. It's one thing you can just definitely see, you know, they walk in, whether it's throwdowns, whether it's machine work or whether it's facing bowlers, um, you know, they're decisive in what they want to do. There's no kind of toing and froing or guessing up, you know, trying different things really. They just go out there and particularly when they were training for the IPL, going into the net sessions and just trying to hit the ball as far as they could and they both pretty much were and they both had six, or particularly Warner had a, had a great IPL and then Smithy being able to come into that one day set up and, you know, score a couple of warm-up tons, um, you know, I think they're both just in a really good place with their game, which is great. And the scary part is uh, for opposition, not for Australian fans, is that they might have even got better because how often do you get a year off to work on your game in the middle of your career, it doesn't happen very often. Well, it doesn't happen yeah. ever, does it? Unless, you get, unless you're injured, um, it doesn't really happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just the, with, the, with the way the international schedule is, and for those guys who pretty much, I mean, you know, I think both of them play all three forms generally when they're playing well. So um, just to be able to get a break and freshen up, um, as you mentioned, also work on their games. But I think just that uh, that element of having a little bit of a break and spending some time with family and spending some time away from the game uh, you know that time is so valuable. Um, they wouldn't have wanted, you know, I'm sure they wouldn't have wanted it to be as long as it was. But yep. um, looking back on it and taking the positives from it, I'm sure they both look at that and really appreciated that time away from the game as such, and just makes them fresher and hungrier for more runs when they come back, which I'm sure we'll see. You got the West Indies on Thursday. You can watch it on Gem, Ko Sports, and Fox Cricket. Uh, the Wendy's had a lot of success with the short ball against Pakistan. Australians generally like taking on the short ball do you think that tactic is going to work against the Aussies Curtis or maybe the uh, big tall pretty quick West Indies fast bowlers might be able to do the same job on the Aussies as they did Pakistan yeah it's an interesting one isn't it Um, I'm not overly familiar with the grounds over there but from what I've seen and what I've heard you know they obviously are quite short straight and a bit longer square so you know it makes sense to you know to err on the shorter side rather than the fuller side but you know, bouncer tactics are always interesting because it, you know you can bowl your best bouncer and potentially a batter can swing and if he top edges it <laughs> at six runs potentially you know maybe he gets caught at fine leg but um, I think when you generally the faster you bowl the less chance there is of, of getting caught at fine leg because the ball can just fly off you so it's obviously an intimidation tactic and I'm sure that the real tactic is you know the follow-up ball from the bouncer with with what batters do there but oh look I think you know again limited experience but from what I can see the English wickets are a little bit slower to hear as well so I think you have to really get your bouncer right otherwise I think most of that Australian batting order are gonna you know put it away with relative ease particularly if they can get themselves into their innings you know maybe early on it's a a better tactic but once they get in I think you'll see most of them pretty happy to see short pitch balls being bowled at them so time will tell though they could be famous last words you don't want to poke the bear either because Australia have some pretty quick fast bowlers themselves I mean if they're dishing it out the wind is quicks and then it's Australia's turn to bowl I wouldn't want to be facing too many short balls as you would have in the nets uh, from Cummins and Stark bowling 150 kilometres per hour yeah oh absolutely I think you hit the nail on the head I think especially with guys (laughs) like you know particularly some of those guys like Andre Russell who's just such a clean hitter of the ball Um, you know you can't just run in and bowl length swim because it's going to go the journey you know you might get lucky and get him caught but chances are he's going to get you for a couple of sixes before before you get him so I think you have to use you know like I mentioned you use the bouncer as as the intimidation factor and 
um, you know, I think the goal is to get them on the back foot and try and get them you know doing something silly off that follow-up ball so yeah it'll be interesting both teams have good fast bowlers but they also have you know really aggressive batters so uh, you know it makes for a good contest. Curtis, while the World Cup's going on, there's also another massive series going on on the other side of the world, the NBA Finals. Now, you're a big NBA fan. Yes, I am. Who's your team? Uh, I like the Utah Jazz, actually. Jazz, a couple of Aussies on that side? Yep, a couple of Aussies. Um, you know, that's a big reason. I just like that they're a small market team. Um, yeah, I like the way they like Trendy the they team. Play. Trendy team. Trendy team, a couple of young superstars. So, I think they're a, just a, a nice, enjoyable team to follow. Okay, we're going to participate in an exercise now. Um, some of the best players are playing in the finals. Um, some of the best players are playing playing in the playoffs uh, over there. Um, what we're going to try and do is we're going to um, go through some of the best NBA players and then give them their cricketing counterparts. World right. cricket. Okay. So we'll start from the top down. Okay, this will be interesting. Are you going to help me out on this? Or is yeah, yeah. I'm going, to, I'm, going to throw you the, okay. I'm going to throw you the the comparison and see yeah, if you... It's a bit of a discussion. Yeah, yeah. Nice, see if okay. you think. Good. We'll start off with LeBron James and uh, best player in the world. Yep. I've gone with uh, Virat Kohli. Yeah, I, yeah. I had that in my head as well. Best player. He's now seasoned, not quite as seasoned as, uh, as LeBron Kohli is, but uh, best player. Everyone looks up to him. Leader of men. Um huge huge social media presence and earns a lot of money just like lebron does yeah i'm gonna have to agree with you there um i'm trying to just kind of rack my brain to see what else i could go with but i think virat's a perfect fit you know virat virat you know he does talk a little bit but so does lebron but i think at the end of the day virat virat makes his bat do the talking um and i think lebron you know certainly got a few other avenues these days but generally his basketball does most of the talking for him so yeah, I'm going to have to stick with you there. I think that's a pretty pretty easy one. Number two, uh, KD, Kevin Durant. Now, this one was a little bit trickier, but I've gone with Steve Smith. Oh, okay. Questionably, you know, at their peak, they're both could be the best players in the world. Um, Smith coming back from an injury. So is KD in the finals, maybe, if he's got the, he's got the under calf. Mm-hmm. Um, and a uh, bit of questions about, a few questions about... Uh, KD's legacy about leaving Oklahoma City, going to Golden State, what's going to happen next. Smith's had his own legacy issues mm-hmm. of the past 12 or so months. Is that a, is a fair comparison? Yeah, it's not a bad one, that's for sure. I mean, I'm trying to think of the other, you know, the other guns out there in the cricketing world. I'm thinking Kane Williamson, but I think Kane's just a more quiet achiever. Kane's probably more of a Kawhi kind of that's right. I had Kawhi-like Ka- player. Yeah. Um, Emotionless, robotic. Yeah, very emotionless, yeah, but does the job really efficiently. Yeah, KD's a tough one. I mean, I don't mind Steve Smith. I was going to say AB de Villiers as well, but I think AB's more at the back end of his career where mm. I think KD's probably in his prime now and he's probably got it, you know, the next three or four years in his prime. So I think you can probably flip a coin there between both Smith or Warner, to be honest. Yep. I think that KD's a little bit outspoken. I know Davey's got his strong opinions as well. So I yes. think... Um, you can potentially match match Davy up with with KD as well. It's and, not a bad one. And back in the day, Warner was uh, prolific on social media, <laughs> reliant, reliant, not so much these days. I don't know if he has as many burner accounts as KD does, but no, uh, KD, yeah, uh, loves a burner. You mentioned 
AB de, de Villiers. Uh, he was a tricky one because he's retired from international cricket, mm. but he's still such a presence. Um, I actually had him down as James Harden because mm. uh, when South Africa played back, you know, if AB didn't fire, South Africa didn't win. Yeah, okay. And um, such a great player, clearly one of the best players in the world. He'd be an MVP in most of the teams he would play in. Uh, and then following on from that, I had uh, Chris Ball, James Harden's team out of the Rockets, as Faf, who is uh, the real leader of the team, um, plays second fiddle to to Harden and to AB de Villiers. So I kind of had those two as a pairing. Jeez, you've, you've got a lot more prep on this than I have, that's for sure. Well, I've just sprung this on you, to be fair. But uh, um, Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't disagree with your reasoning. Um, when you actually said... Um, AB to, to Harden, I actually showed away thought of Faf potentially being someone like Harden because I think Faf's a little bit in that boat right now, current situation. Yep. Um, yeah, look, it's a tough one. I actually don't mind linking your kind of like a Ross Taylor okay. potentially to a, to a James Harden. Um, I like the way Ross plays. I think he's, oh, sorry, not James Harden, more of a Chris Paul. Yep. Um, kind of been around for a long time. Um, Ross is a little bit more of a second fiddle now to, to Kane, mm. um, but was the main man for a long time, like Chris Good Paul point. was. So I think maybe um, I'll agree with you on the AB, the AB side with Harden, but I reckon okay. maybe a, go over the Tasman to Ross Taylor for a little Chris nice. Paul comparison. Nice. Uh, we've already We've got to get some bowlers in here. We haven't even named a bowler yet, have we? There's bowlers coming up. Okay. I th- yeah, there's a couple of bowlers coming up. Uh, now, Steph Curry. Went with uh, Joss Butler. Oh, audacious really shots. One, yeah. Audacious shots. Spectacular to watch. Sometimes it doesn't always come off. Um, but he's just one of the best players in the world and um, seems like a nice guy. So I went with those two. Yeah, look, I'm actually going to... I know I mentioned him earlier, but now that you've mentioned Steph, I think I think Davey is the perfect one. Okay. The reason I say that is I think Steph really change i mean you know he changed basketball and the fact that you you know everyone now just pulls up from 35 40 feet and <laughs> yeah. tries to drain threes um and i think davy really changed the notion of an opening batter um you know the way he came on obviously through t20 but then the way he's been able to come into test cricket and yeah. you know i don't think there's certainly any play or many players out there that have scored 100 on the first session of day one in a test match like davy has no very few um and i think he's changed the way um you know, batters now approach opening the batting in long form cricket. You know, it's it's been aggressive from ball one. Um, so I think that's probably where I feel like who fits Steph the best mould is is Davy in that respect to the to his game. Well, if we go down that route, because uh, I had Clay Thompson, the other splash brother. Mm. If I was going with Butler, I had someone like Moeen or, or Roy or Bearstow, just one of those other big hitting guys. But if uh, if we go with Warner for Steph Curry, then maybe Glenn Maxwell could be the Clay Thompson. Yeah, I feel like Clay. Although like he's Maxie, a little, Maxie's yeah. an all-rounder, and I think Maxie's, you know, exceptional at multiple different things. Where I think Clay, yeah, I think he's a good defender. I think Clay is, but I think he's he sticks to three and D, doesn't he? Okay. He shoots threes and then he's and then he defends. Whereas I don't think he's he's passing or his you know his skills off the dribble as such. I think he's a very good shooter when his teammates set him up. I'm just trying to think of someone who is. You know the best in the world, and you know maybe a bowler who's just the best in the world at kind of their one skill mm. that doesn't really doesn't really battle or do much in the field, something like that. 
well, maybe like a Tahir. He doesn't do much. Yeah, like something like that. He's a special, very specialist position, which I think Clay is. But you know, he's second best shooter in the world. So behind behind Steph. So he's. Yeah, it could be famous last words if Clay Clay leaves the bay. He might go elsewhere. Yeah. And he might show that he can do a little bit more. But at least for now, I think he's very much a. You know, he's got his he's got his skill. He's his three three point shooting and defending, and and he sticks to it, and it earns him a lot of money. So kudos to him. If you're good at it, don't change it, I suppose. Uh, how about Giannis Antetokounmpo? I went with Kachiso uh, Robata. Yeah, Young player, extremely, extremely talented. Um, speaks very well. Um, is quickly becoming the face of the game, both in the NBA and cricket, uh, deservedly so. Um, and just a presence. Rabada's a really big guy. When you, I mean, Giannis is what six yeah. nine or whatever, six ten or something. But uh, Rabada is, is a big, solid, fast bowler. So they're my that's uh, my comparison for those two. Yeah, I think I'm going to go. I know they're at slightly different stages of his career because I know this. I know Giannis is obviously 23 or 24, and he's got the league in front of him in his next 10 years. But I know Andre Russell's a bit older. But mm-hmm. I just think of Giannis as someone who just dominates their opponents on both ends and I think that sums up Dre Russ pretty well I think he's obviously I mean particularly his IPL form when you get him on those slower wickets in India the way he just abuses bowlers and then Mm. the way he's able to be aggressive with the ball like he was against Pakistan and intimidate batters um, I think that for me that's probably I know there are slightly different levels in uh, sorry stages of their career but I think that um, Dre Russ and Giannis have a similar kind of mentality towards their opponents that they just bully them on, bully them on both ends as such. So. Wow. I had uh, Russell, Dre Russ down as Draymond Green okay. because he can sort of do everything. He's a great bowler, batter, and electric in the field. Yeah. Whereas Russ, maybe maybe Draymond, he's sort of your jack of all trades, isn't he? He can sort of do everything. Yeah, I don't think he's great at anything though. Yeah. I think Dre Russ, I think Giannis is, and yeah. I think Dre okay. Russ is as well. Not sure you'd a Draymond, you know, I'm trying to think of a Draymond as you know a, a leader of a team. I think mm. Draymond's definitely the leader of Golden State, if you would, um, and holds the team together and plays a crucial role in defence. He's the glue. I'm trying to think of of someone like that, like a steady, like a Tim Payne. Yeah, like a steady, a steady kind of batter who, you know, doesn't necessarily score hundreds off fifty balls like the the Warners and the Dre mm. Russes of the world, but someone who just kind of holds your team together. Um, I'm thinking like a, a like a Joe Root or like oh, a, yeah. like an Usman Khawaja or something like that. Um, and Uzi will hate that because I know that Uzi loves <laughs> Russell, Russell Westbrook. Um, mm. But I think that um, you know someone along those lines, um, you know, even potentially a Kane Williamson. Yeah. Someone who's that's a good point. Slightly, I mean, probably not to be honest, because I think but Draymond's a certain. Yeah, he gets yeah, fired up, a and lot, expressive. A lot fired up, yeah. yeah, that's a tough one. We not, might have to come not, back to not Draymond. Not that's a knock on Kano or anything, but uh, uh, a couple more to go. Uh, I had Westbrook. You just mentioned him. Uh, yeah, I had uh, had him as uh, Ben Stokes, another guy that can do everything. Um, Russ, master of the triple double, um, seems to be able to do it all, and quite a fiery person, got an aggressive personality. Mm. Um, I thought maybe those two would match up well. Yeah, I do like that. I mean, I'm going to go with Glenn Maxwell Maxie's for, for Westbrook. Maxie, yeah, yep. I think, and, and for pretty much the exact same reasons you went with Stokes. I think you know, very fiery. Maxie can be very fiery out there on the field. Yep. Um, and he's going to pretty much go as hard as he can for for every time he's out there on the field, much like Stokes. So, 
Yeah, I don't have an issue with Stokes, but I'm just going to go with the Aussie counterpart yeah, in Maxi. Go with Maxi. I'm actually quite light on um, Australians in this list. I've only got two left. Uh, now, Joel Embiid. Great thing. I went with, and this is the ages don't match up on this one, but I went with Chris Gale. Yeah, that's a good one. Big presence. They say some random stuff when the microphone's in front of them. Um, big bodies. Uh, I don't know. They just talk a lot of garbage as well. So I went with those two. Yeah, that's a really good one. Um, I'm just trying to think of someone who's got a who's quite funny on social media from a cricketing point of view. That's tough. It's not. It's not a whole lot. Damien Fleming. Damien Fleming. No very way. Funny. <laughs> I think Jimmy Neesham from New Zealand. Oh, yeah. Got a very funny Twitter account. Um, yeah. Oh, look, I'll agree with you on that. I think Chris is a pretty, yeah, very outspoken guy. I think you're right. The process, probably, the universe boss. Yeah. Kind of yeah, there's enough, there's enough common ground there, isn't there? We'll go with, we'll go with Gail. And my final one here was, uh, was Damien Lillard, the uh, mm. uh, yeah, Portland Trailblazers gun player. And I had, uh, as Pat Cummins, mm. elite player, um, nice guy, uh, comes up clutch. Mm-hmm. Pat in that one in that India series, he just seems to always deliver in the big moments. A bit like Dame, um, probably Kane Richardson is the man we need to talk to about this one. Yeah, he'd love to be a Dame. Kane would love to be linked devotee. But the only uh, reason I can't go Kane is Dame's so loyal to Portland, isn't he? And Kane's Kane's gone to his beloved Renegades now. As I feel like Dame would would never leave the Trailblazers. <laughs> That's so. a good point. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, Richo. I'm gonna to have to leave you there. But yeah, I like I like Cummins. I think that's a that that is a good a good mix for sure. I think Cummo's certainly shown that he's just about the best in the world. Mm. Um, the last the last twelve months, and I think Dame's certainly shown as well in the last eighteen, well, probably two seasons, but this season, but in particular, that he's you know a top top three point guard in the league. So, yep, I'm happy to go with I'm happy to go with that. I like that one. I think that's a good list. I think we've noted. What about Kawhi? We've got to go Kawhi. Kane can we do Kawhi? Oh, we went with Kane. So, yeah, yeah that's all right. That's Elite guy. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Kawhi does the job, yeah. Curtis, thank mm-hmm. you very much for coming on and all the best in England. No worries. Thanks, Sammy. That's it for this week's episode. Don't forget, if you want to watch every match of the ICC Cricket World Cup, check out Fox Cricket and KO Sports. But for all your news, scores and video, head to cricket.com.au and the CA Live app. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, People that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.